Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. Psalm 19, verses 1 to 6. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. When I was 18 years old, I just finished school and I was given the opportunity to sail from my hometown in South Africa, which is called East London, all the way to Cape Town, which was over a thousand kilometers away. It took us five days to get to Cape Town, even with the aid of the warm Mozambique current. Our vessel was a 34-foot yacht. There were six of us on board, and in order to take full advantage of the current, we set sail straight out to sea until you couldn't see the land anymore. We obviously had to sail all the way through the night, and so we developed a system whereby two of us would always be on duty. I didn't, and I still don't, have any real knowledge or understanding of sailing, but I can hold the helm and make sure the compass is pointing west. I can remember one morning at about three o'clock in the morning being woken up and told that I was on duty. When I emerged from below deck, I took hold of the helm, and the two previous guys quickly disappeared below deck. And I was left alone while I was waiting for my sleeping partner to emerge. It was a clear night, and the stars and the moon had lit up the Indian Ocean. As far as I could see in every direction, all I could see was the Indian Ocean. And this yacht was going up and down over the waves, and now and again a wave would break over the bow of the yacht and would come running over the deck and then down the sides of this yacht. And as I sat there holding the helm, I suddenly felt very, very small. This 34-foot yacht, which had seemed so huge and big in the harbor, now felt like a tiny speck in comparison to the vastness of the ocean. And then I looked up, and there were billions upon billions of stars. I had never seen so many stars in all my life. Even in places in the sky where it didn't look like there were any stars, if I looked closely, I could suddenly notice that there were even stars there. 
And as I considered the, the, the vastness of the universe, that it's made up of billions upon billions of galaxies, I suddenly started to feel very small indeed. And as I sat there holding the helm, it had a profound effect on me. I had a profound sense that not only was there a God, but that God must be very, very big. That God was awesome. And the psalmist says in Psalm 19 in verses 1 to 2, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. And it was as if the Indian Ocean and all the stars and the moon were shouting out simultaneously, God made me. God made me. Today we're starting a new series entitled Questions of Faith. And today's question is, does God exist? So how can we know if there is a God? Well, for me personally, when I, when I reflect upon creation, when I look at the vastness of the universe, when I uh, consider nature and, and consider the, the, the balance and the beauty, the intricacy and the intelligibility of our ecosystem and the like, it calls out to me that there must be a God. It drives me to the conclusion that there is a God. Paul writes in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, been understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. In other words, God, who is invisible and unknowable, has made himself both visible and knowable through what he's created. Just like an artist can reveal something of themselves through their drawings and their artwork, their sculpture, so the divine artist has revealed something of himself through creation. Now, of course, there are many people uh, today in the West who believe that science has disproved the existence of God. I'm sure you've heard theories like that, where people would say science and, and Darwin's theory of evolution have shown how life has come about by purely naturalistic ways, and have actually drawn the conclusion, therefore, there, there is no God. Have you heard things like that? Well, of course you have. It's rife within our culture. And I'm not a scientist, but I've done some investigation, and I've come to the conclusion that it takes more faith to believe there is no God. It takes more faith to believe that, that their creation, the whole universe, and, and even life, my life and your life, just came about by a blind chance. It takes more faith to believe that than to believe that there was a very powerful, intelligent mind 
working behind and through the forces of nature to bring about life as we know it. Let me give you two reasons why I've come to that conclusion. Firstly, creation has a cause. A hundred years ago, in the 1940s, the scientists believed that the universe had always just simply existed. It, it didn't need an explanation because it had always just simply existed. But science has evolved. It has developed. It's moved on. Scientists have now proved that the universe is ever expanding. If the universe is ever expanding, that means it must have had a beginning because as you go back in time, it starts to shrink. And if you keep going back in time, it eventually shrinks to this tiny little speck and then eventually it's nothing at all. Just a pre-existent quantum vacuum state. And so scientists are now convinced that the universe had a beginning. And the question, of course, is, well, what caused the universe to begin? Scientists believe that the universe began 14 billion years ago when there was a sudden explosion of light and energy, which is commonly known now as the Big Bang. But the question still remains, well, what caused the Big Bang? Because things don't just pop into existence for no reason, at least not in our experience. So what caused the Big Bang? Astrophysicist Robert Gestro, who is an atheist, says, the universe flashed into being and we cannot find out what caused that to happen? In other words, science has no explanation about what caused the Big Bang. But something or someone must have caused the universe to begin. And whatever that something is, because it existed before the universe existed, then by definition, it would have to be completely separate and distinct from the universe. It would have to be immaterial, timeless, and powerful. God seems like a good candidate to me. Now, this doesn't prove the existence of God. But it does show that science is moving in a direction that is very consistent with the belief that God was behind the creation of the universe. This doesn't prove that God exists. That's not my point. My point is it takes more faith to believe there was nothing and then for no reason or purpose at all, and merely by chance, there was an explosion that led to the birth of the universe and life as we know it.
For me, that takes more faith, if not the same amount of faith. <laughs> it takes the same amount of faith to believe that than it does to believe that God caused the universe to come into being. Secondly, creation is fine-tuned for life. For me, this is the most convincing reason. Creation is fine-tuned for life. What do I mean by that? I mean, everything is just right to allow life to come into being. It's sometimes referred to as the Goldilocks principle because everything has to be just right for life to emerge. So if we take our planet, for example, if we look at the, the size of our planet with corresponding gravity and the position of our planet is perfect. It's just right. If our planet was any smaller, it would be impossible for an atmosphere like Mercury. If our planet was any bigger, there would be too much hydrogen like Jupiter. And if our planet was just slightly closer to the sun, we would be toast, burnt up. And if our planet was slightly further away from the sun, we would be ice, frozen. The size and the position of our planet within our solar system, which is huge, is just right in order to allow the, the, the right atmosphere and temperature for plant, animal, and human life. It's just right. But even more so, the fundamental forces were fine-tuned. When the universe began, when the universe was birthed, the, the, the fundamental forces were fine-tuned so that life could emerge. Some 30 or so fundamental numbers, such as the force of gravity, the ration of electrons to proton mass in the universe are so exquisitely balanced that the tiniest fluctuation, and we're talking like a millionth of a millionth of a millionth of a degree, the slightest, tiniest fluctuation from their actual value would mean that the universe capable of producing life could simply not exist. Geneticist Francis Collins who headed up the Human Genome Project that mapped and sequenced the human DNA, considered the most remarkable scientific advancement of our lifetime, states, if they, the constants of the universe, were set at a value that was just a tiny bit different, one part in a billion, the whole thing wouldn't work anymore. To get our universe with all of its potential for complexities and any kind of potential for any kind of life form, everything has to be precisely defined on this knife edge of improbability. So the question, of course, is, well, did we just get lucky? 
Well, was it just by chance that all these 30-something fundamental principles all just happened to land on the exact value that they needed to be in order for a life-giving universe to emerge? Did we just get lucky? And, and if so, what are the odds? So let's look at gravity, just one of the fundamental forces. Look at the force of gravity. Of course, you know, every atom has a gravitational pull on every other atom, which enables planets and solar systems and galaxies to hold together. If the force of gravity was just slightly weaker, then no object of any type would be able to form and there would be no life. If gravity was just slightly stronger, the whole universe would just collapse back in on itself and there would be no life. How much wiggle room do you think we've, we're talking about here? How much, you know, what degrees can we talk about? Scientists have proved that if the force of gravity was different by one part in 10 to the 60, there would be no life. Okay, if you're like me, you're going like, okay, what on earth is one part to the 10 to the 60? That is like one part in a trillion, 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 trillion. Those are not good odds, okay? <laughs> that is really not good odds. Okay, odds. I mean, if you were to throw a dice... What are the odds that you're going to get a six? One in six. Okay, if you were to throw the dice twice, uh, what are the odds that you would get a six two times in a row? Well, it's one in six times one in six, which is one in 36. So every time you throw the dice to get a, a row of sixes, the, the odds go up exponentially. One part in 10 to the 60 is the same as throwing, rolling a dice and getting a six 80 times in a row. That's the odds. That's the chance of the gravity falling on that value that it needs, the exact value it needs, so that there can be life. And this is just one of 30 fundamental forces. Can you see how unlikely it is that we got there by blind chance? I mean, let's be honest. If someone threw a dice, rolled the dice, and got a six 80 times in a row, you're not going to respond, wow, what a stroke of luck. No, you're going to say, someone's loaded the dice. And someone's loaded the dice of gravity. And I believe that that someone is God. The fine-tuning of the universe doesn't prove there is a God. That's not my point. My point is this. When you look at the probabilities, it takes a lot more faith to believe that the whole universe and life, your life, came about by blind luck than it is to believe 
that there was a very powerful and intelligent mind behind the universe who loaded the dice. And this is not all the evidence for the existence of God. We also need to look at the historical evidence for the person of Jesus. We also need to look at the historical evidence for Jesus rising from the dead. We will be doing this later in the series. But when I look at creation and when I look at the evidence of science, all the clues seem to be pointing in the direction that there is a very powerful and intelligent mind behind, behind life. The order, the beauty, the elegance, the majesty of the whole universe and our existence itself seems to be crying out for an explanation that goes beyond itself. I mean, why is there something rather than nothing? I mean, there could so easily have been nothing at all. And yet, here we are. And I can't get myself to, to believe that humanity is simply the accidental byproduct of an undirected and unpurposed universe that came from nowhere and is heading into oblivion. The odds are just too small. Rather, our existence seems to be crying out for an explanation beyond itself. And I believe the most probable answer is that there was, or there is, a very powerful and intelligent being. Some, something that is very distinct and separate from the universe, who caused the universe to come into existence and has loaded the dice so that life will emerge. God. I believe this is the most probable answer. As far as science and looking at the evidence, you will only ever get to a probability. You won't get to certainty. But we really require absolute proof in, in most fields of inquiry. We normally look at all the facts and then we ask ourselves the question, what is the most reasonable answer or explanation? I believe the most reasonable explanation is God. And so you say, well, as far as you can take me, can we never get to certainty? Well, yes, sort of. But you can have certainty. But certainty, to get certainty, takes personal commitment. It's the same if you're going to hire someone for a job. Uh, you can, you know, you can do, look at all the evidence. You can... Uh, Read their CV, you can interview them, you can do background checks, you can go do all these things. And you can eventually come to the conclusion, this person is probably the best person for the job, but you'll never know for certain until you commit, until you employ them and hire them. And then within a year, you're going to know for certain if they're the right person or not. And it's the same for Jesus, it's the same for God. When you commit, when you put your faith, then you don't just have evidence of, of science and creation, but you'll have personal knowledge. Christians know that God exists because they've experienced the very presence of God in their life. 
That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if you commit to God, then you too can experience the presence of God in your life and you can have certainty that God exists. Through this series, the series of questions of faith, we're going to be looking at these big questions. We're going to be investigating the evidence. And we're going to give you time and space to ponder and reflect. We also have our life groups that are doing the Alpha course, which are exploring the Christian faith. So if you're not in one, do join one so you can have that space to ponder and reflect on the evidence. Reflect on it for yourself and and. Come to your own decision whether you want to commit and start this amazing adventure of faith and experience the very presence of God in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to just thank you for life. We just stand in awe and wonder at how creation came about, how big creation is. And yet, you are mindful of us. You do know us. You know us by name. And you love us. And you came. You entered into the universe you created. And you died for us because you love us. And you want a relationship with us. And you have a plan and a purpose for our life. And so we stand in awe of you. And we want to receive your love afresh today. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website abgavenibaptist.co.uk